0: Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. If I would share today, and I was like, okay, sure. Um, But what's cool is I felt like the Lord speaks to me through analogies, and I don't know why, always does, but I felt like God gave me this months ago, and I put down in my notes, like, Maybe this will be good around Valentine's Day. And then look at God. He's like, you want to preach this week? And I was like, sure, I already have something. Um, But we just got back actually yesterday from Colorado. And we went with six couples total, uh, five other couples from us. And they did a vow renewal on the mountaintop. And it was so cool and so cold. So cold. This little desert girl over here was freezing my bones off in three degrees. Um, But what's funny is when we got out there, like people were having a hard time breathing. I don't know if you guys know this, but Grand Prairie's elevation is like 500, and where we were, it was 10,500. So we had to like walk up the driveway to get into our little cabin because the the even the four-by-four Jeep, or whatever you call it, four-wheel drive, all-wheel drive, I don't know, it couldn't even get up the hill. And so we're like climbing this hill, and one of the guys that was with us, he's 74 years old, and when he got to the hill, he was all like purple. I'm not kidding. And we had these cans of oxygen and you put your mouth over it and you pushed it and you go Ooh, and it literally felt like i was doing drugs or something i was like is this legal like what are we we are huffing on a can right now so i didn't i only did it one time and it was kind of not my thing not my thing so like i'm okay but what's funny is i didn't have that much trouble breathing there and today i cannot breathe i cannot catch my breath so i guess i got used to that altitude and then now i'm down here and i'm like like a fish out of water but anyways so, like I said, Pastor Josh had asked me if I would preach since he, he kind of was on vacation mode. And he does a lot of his studying for the sermon during the week. So, he was going to give it to somebody else for today. And then he offered it to me. And I was like, look at God. He already gave me something. So, I'm excited to share this with you. Like I said, I really feel like God gives me analogies all the time. I don't know if it's just the way he made me or just he knows that I need to see it like this is the same as this. You know, it's funny. A lot of times like when, when Pastor Josh and I are having intense fellowship. That's another word for fighting. If you want to call it intense fellowship, you can first you can do that as well. Um, But I'll tell him I'm like it's kind of like this because in my head that makes total sense. He's like, no, it's nothing like that. Stop bringing other things into it. I'm like, but it is. It's like that. But anyway, God always shows me things and relates it to something else. And so what I really felt like um, what God showed me um, for today is how many of you guys have heard of the five love languages. Now, I know that usually around Valentine's Day, people, especially people that are not in a dating relationship or not married, are like, I'm going to skip church because they're going to be speaking about love and marriage. Blah. Well, don't worry. Today we're speaking about love, but love with the Father. Amen. So how many of y'all know, so you said you have heard of the five love languages. So what I really feel like the Lord gave me was ways that the love languages don't just apply to spouses, but also with him, with the love of the Father. So I'm really excited to share that with you today. So the Bible says that God is love. He cannot be separated from it. It's who he is. And we see in 1 John chapter 4, 16-19, through this is what it says. It says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus, and Jesus we know is God, so then we are love, right? There is no fear in love, and perfect love drives out, what is it? Fear. Y'all did so much better in first service, I had to give him a redo. Good job. Drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made in perfect love. And we love, this is what I want to focus on right here. We love because he first loved us. Love started with him. It was God's idea it's who he is. It's how he functions. And we would not know how to give love or how to receive love if he hadn't loved us first. So I just think it's so cool that, you know, we, we can operate in love because of him. And like I was saying earlier in worship, you know, God loved us enough that it has nothing to do with us. His love is so big. It has nothing to do with us, has to do with our abilities, has to do with our looks, has to do with our bank account, nothing. God loves us because it's what he does, it's who he is, and he won't stop loving us. So good. But you know, there is a benefit to knowing the five love languages when you are in a marriage because it's important to know how your spouse likes to give and receive love. And just like you wouldn't tell your spouse, I'm just going to love you the way that I'm comfortable with, we should not be telling God, God, I'm just going to love you with the way that I'm comfortable with because we cannot have a full love relationship with the Father if we're not willing to step out of our little tradition and our little thing that we've set up and start to express and receive love from him in a new way. Amen? So I don't know about y'all, but I want all the love. I want all the love he has for me. I want to give him all the love that I have. So we want to have a full and complete relationship expressing and receiving love from the Father. And you know, I think it's cool because love is always his idea, you know. He's the one who created, you know, nothing on earth that you see it wasn't God's idea. Even if it was made by a man, God gave him those thoughts and those ideas. So all of these five love languages that, you know, now everybody knows about it and it's just become so reg- such a well-known thing, God did it all. He, he's the one that wrote it out long before, long before. So if he made them all, why wouldn't he want to offer them all and exchange them all with us? And so I think it would be a good thing to challenge ourselves maybe when we're waking up in the morning or just as we're moving forward from this point on, is just to ask the Lord, Lord, how would you like to be loved today? How could I show my love to you today? So I want to talk about um, expressing the five love languages to and from the Father, the ways that we can express the love to him and the way he can express the love to us. Deal? You going to go on our journey with me? All right. I can breathe a lot better than first service. I was like literally, I was like, and then I could not breathe. Okay. Oh, I forgot to tell you all the best news. This morning I found my first gray hair. Isn't that crazy? And the Bible says that the gray hair is a crown of wisdom. So I have the wisdom today to bring this word. I even wrote it down on the top, gray hair, and I forgot. Okay, anyways, Josh took a picture. I'll post it later. You're welcome. Okay, so the first thing is the first way, and I, these might be out of order of the way you've always heard them, but I'll, I'll hit them all, don't worry. So the first way we experience love with God is in quality time. And the way that looks on our side. Of the love relationship is that we are setting aside time for just us and the Lord. I know that you know a lot of people, and it's not even like you really are trying. It's not a bad mentality that you have, but we associate church with God, and so we come to church and we're like, "Okay, I've spent time with God, but God really, really wants time just with you." And uh, Pastor Josh shared before that um, it was actually before we were married when he was doing youth ministry. Um, You know, there was like this weekend-long conference, and he was beat at the end of it because Pastor Josh used to lead the worship and preach also. So he was just wore out. And he felt like, you know, he got home and he was like, what a good day, God. Like, high five, good night, you know. And he felt like the Lord was like, what about me? Like, you've been so busy doing that we haven't actually got to spend any time together. And so it's so important that as we offer up our love to God, that we are willing to set aside time to spend with just him. So that's not Sunday morning. That's time that's just with him. And even more than you long to spend time with him, again, it originates from him. He longs to spend time with you. We see even back, um, way, way back to the Garden of Eden, it says that he walked with Adam daily. Like they had this appointment where they hung out and they walked around. I don't know what that looked like. It would be kind of cool. Like I don't know if it was like a physical God. I don't know. But it said he heard him. So it made a noise. Um, But even after Adam sinned, God showed up. God showed up and he was there and he was ready to spend time with him. And Adam's the one who was hiding out. So God desires to spend time with you. He has something to give you. He has just love to pour out on you. So it's not just that we need to set aside time for him. It's that he wants to spend that time with us. So also it's important that, you know, when you're having time with the Lord, that I think a lot of people have called them breath prayers. That, you know, there's just a time when you get to all, I'm guilty of this as much as anybody. You know, you have like, you know, all the things that you're praying for. We've, we've been praying for all the women who are wanting to have a baby. You know, all the people that are experiencing sickness every night with our family. And if we're not careful, it just gets into this, this checklist. And then we get to the end and there's nothing else. And amen. You know, but it's so important that we leave that, that breath, that quiet time where the Lord's going to talk to us. Because we might think we don't know his voice, but really we might just not be listening. We might not be giving him a time To have that, you know, that time and space, it's almost like if you're on a phone call and you say everything that you want to say and then you hang up. Well, of course you're not going to hear anything. You've disconnected the call, right? So it's important. It's so important um, to give God that time to speak to us and to be willing to just be still. That's the hardest part, especially in this day and age, you know, there's always something, a notification, an email, a video, there's something, always, always something. But it's so important just to be still and give him the opportunity to speak. Amen. So quality time. Next, we experience love with God in giving gifts. Pastor Josh, this is one of his love languages. He's always giving me gifts. It's so fun. But it's not my main love language. So I'm like, thanks. Okay. <laughs> and he's like, come on, make a big deal of it. This is my love language. Um, but anyways, we can use our talents that God has already given us as gifts back to him. And this is what's so cool. He doesn't leave us empty-handed. He's not asking us to create something that we, that we don't know how. He's giving us a gift. And then he's like, okay, give it back to me. This is fun. You know, so it's almost like, like playing catch with your father, right? So he's given us, some of us musical talents, some of us speaking talents, some of us artistic talents, writing talents, whatever you want to call it. But we can offer those gifts back to him. We can use those things to bring glory and honor to him. And it's like, you know, it's just like a little kid when they're performing, like, look, mom, I made this dance. And it's like, it's not impressive at all, but we're like, yes, I love it. It's the best dance I've ever seen. You know, and that's how he feels when we use our gifts To express our love back to him. It's so cool. So he's given us talents. Another way that we can offer our love back to the Lord is with our money. And I know this is always like the, oh, no, she said money in church. I did. I said money in church. And it's about to get worse before it gets better. Because your tithe is not a gift. The word says the tithe already belongs to God. So the picture that, again, the Lord always shows me things and analogies, right? So the picture of the Lord gave me is this. Imagine if Josh went into my closet picked out a shirt, wrapped it, and said, I got you a gift. And when I opened it, I would be like, this is this is already mine. It was already in my closet. You didn't give me anything. You know, or if I went to his tool bench and I got one of his drills, and you know, here's a gift. And he'd be like, that's already mine. You know, so we can't give God a gift that already belongs to him. So we can give above our ties. We can give to a, somebody in need. We can give to Haiti. We can give to to people at the grocery store. You can pay, pay it forward, pay for the person behind you and, at Starbucks and tell them God loves you, whatever it is. We can be a blessing with what God has given us. And again, he doesn't leave us empty-handed. He gives us the gift so that we have it now and we can turn it around and give it to him, give it to others, and share it. Isn't that cool? So cool. So that's how we can offer um, in giving gifts with our love to the Lord. And here's how he can do it back to us. The gift, the big bow, the best gift that will ever be given is the Holy Spirit. We see that Jesus came, you know, and we were like, yes, this is it. Jesus is here. He's with us. But it said, it actually said that he was leaving so that we could have the spirit. You know, if he would have stayed around, that would have been really cool. He probably would have never aged. You know, he probably, he already had his glorified body. He'd probably be like 33-year-old Jesus now. But he's like, so that you can have the spirit, I must go. And so because he gave the spirit, the father gave us the spirit, and then the spirit gives us the gifts, the gifts of the spirit. And I thought this was cool when I was, like I said, the Lord gave this to me months ago. And I just put in parentheses, Valentine's Day, question um, mark. But anyway, so I've had this for quite a while. And so then Pastor Josh talked on the gifts of the spirits, la- uh, spirits, one spirit, one, <laughs> just kidding. All okay. right. Uh, the gifts of the spirit last week. And so I was like, that's in my notes. That's so cool. So I'm not going to go into great detail of them because he did last week. But if again, if you want to look them up and really and chew on them for yourself. They're found in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, 11. I'm just going to read them right quick. So the gifts that we have and we can operate in are the word of knowledge, which means you have something that you would not have known, the word of wisdom, the gift of prophecy, the gift of faith, big, big, big faith, the gift of healing, working in miracles, discerning of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. So that is so good that God has given us ways to partner with him, and share his love with other people to, you know, to op- when, and when we operate with him, it is loving him. He is loving us. We're loving him because we're doing what he's told us to do. And it's really cool that, again, he's given us something that we can in turn use and function with in our love for him. So that's just really, really cool. So that's gifts. The third thing is we experience the love of God with words of affirmation. And I'm going to take a real big breath real quick. Okay, I'm still trying to catch my breath today. So, words of affirmation. This is one of Pastor Josh's love languages. He likes to receive love in. But, you know, (laughs) bring them all on. I love them all. Um, We love God with our words in prayer and in declaring who he is in worship. And one of the things that, that is really cool to me is God doesn't need us to tell him who he is. He knows who he is. It's not changing. He's confident in himself. He doesn't need us to build him up. But he wants to know how we see him so that we can remind ourselves. As we're declaring this to him, we're speaking it out in faith and we're building our confidence and our, and our hope and our trust in him. And, you know, I always joke that when, when we started the furnace back a while ago and Pastor Josh was like, we're going to minister to the Lord. And I, like, looked around and I was like, what does that mean? I don't know what that means you know and other people are kind of asked the same thing and I'm like oh good I'm not the only one but you know ministering to the Lord is just telling him who he is telling him that you love him tell him that you love him declaring that you know he's faithful declaring that you know he's your healer and and believing that you're going to see it in your situation and walking out that life and and just you know it's almost like um saying it you saying it before you see it you know what I'm saying like he's always the healer he's always the promise keeper but we're, we're saying it in our life that I know that I'm going through this right now, but he's the promise keeper and I'm going to make it through this and I'm going to see what I'm supposed to see in this situation. And so, again, it's not for his benefit, it's for our benefit that we need to declare who he is in our situation. We need to remind ourselves who he is and how he works and, and just we give him love that way by affirming him and affirming ourselves. So that's how we offer love to him with words of affirmation. How he gives it back to us is over and over again God calls us all, all kinds of names, good names, really good names. But, you know, it would be enough if we were his children. And if every time he was like, children, children, children. But that's not how he refers to us every time. Sometimes he calls us beloved. Sometimes he says, you are mine. You know, no one can snatch you from my hand. You know, and sometimes in Romans he calls us overcomers. And so he's continuing to tell us. And we do need to know what we are, amen. He doesn't need to know. But we do need to know how he sees us. So many times when I pray, you know, for other women, and sometimes men too, they just have insecurities in their self-image and their self-worth. And one of the things that I always pray is, God, show them how you see them. Because I feel like so many times we look at ourselves and it's like a fun house mirror, right? And we're like, whoa, like this is not, you know, how I thought my life was. And and we think that, you know, something that we don't like, that gets all of our attention. And we're like, we've got to stop that, we've got to stop that, we've got to stop that. But God's like, stop worrying about... What's not happening right? Worry about me and we'll work it out. And so, you know, we see ourselves so distorted. But God has just the image of Jesus as our mirror. And he's like, this is how I see you. This is how valuable you are to me that you are worth the life of my son. You know, and so it's so important um, that we allow ourselves to listen and to hear God and to read the scripture and to see what he says about us and how he thinks about us. Um, you know, and even above scripture, which is full, you could use that as your only thing, and it would be enough. But even above scripture, we can pray, and we can ask God to show him how he sees us. You know, to show us what's happening in the midst of turmoil. To You know, to to give us those words of affirmation that we do know it's going to be okay. You know, like when Pastor Josh and I first moved out here to start the church, we had, you know, so many confirmations in the beginning. Like, yes, 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 go, 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 do the church. And then we got out here, and it was like silence, you know. And if we hadn't had all that confirmation in the front end, we might have been really nervous in the middle of the chaos. But we still said, nope, God said. God did. We knew these words were spoken. We know that this is what God's doing. And so even in our circumstances might be crazy, we believe and we receive and we know and we stand firm on these words that God has spoken to us. And he's said these over our life and we know that they will come to pass. Amen. Amen. So first, we'll review here quality time. Second, giving gifts, third, words of affirmation. And number 4, we can experience love with God in acts of service. So, we love God by serving with him with our life is what it says in John 12:26. So, sometimes serving looks like doing a specific act, like doing the dishes. But some, but also serving is a lifestyle. You know, it's, it is with our life we can serve him. So that's in every opportunity we have. We're always seeking out a way to serve him, to show him that we love him. And a lot of times, most often, that looks and is played out by serving somebody else. By loving them the way that God would love them. By being his hands and feet to serve and to love on people. Um, I, sorry, I, read, I think I read the wrong scripture. Anyways. All right, but what John twelve twenty six does say is... Whoever serves me, there we go, must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Who wants to be honored by the Father? I do. And we also see in Romans 12 and 11 that it says to keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. So that's like, don't serve one time and say, I served you, Lord. Remember in 2003, I went to the Benny Hinn crusade and I was on the prayer team so I've served you you know no there are ways you can serve Jesus every day by loving on the people that you work with by loving the people in traffic by loving the people of your church by serving at your church by loving on your kid's teacher that has to deal with your kid the eight hours that you get a break right so y'all didn't catch that but it was good (laughs) I love my kids I love being a mom Um, but anyways you know we can serve Everywhere. There's opportunities all the time, all the time, all the time. So it's important that we don't forget that even though what we're doing is towards a person right here, that it's actually a gift of service to the Lord. And uh, I, was, I was reminded, and um, there was this song we used to really, not that we don't like her anymore, but I, I haven't heard her new stuff, but we used to really like this worship leader named Misty Edwards. She was out of IHOP. And she had this song that said, it's the inside, outside, upside down kingdom where you lose to gain and you die to live. And I remember when I first heard that, I was like, whoa. Well, first of all, it sounded cool. Because, you know, she had, like, dreads. And she's like, inside, outside, outside. You know, but anyways. But then I thought about it. And I was like, we see it in the scripture. You know, it says here in Matthew 23, 11, that the greatest among you will be your what? Servant. Servant. Right. Good job, babe. Brownie points. You're learning. You're learning. Um, but we forget. You know, because it, it's in our culture. That's not the way it is. We automatically think, oh, the pastor has more powerful prayers than I do. Or, oh, the, my boss, you know, is the most important person that I encounter with every day. But no, the kingdom is backwards. We, we become greater when we make ourselves a servant to other people. And what a great privilege. What a great privilege to be the love of God um, to others, to, to be able to show his love to other people that way. So, um, lastly, when we're offering our love to Jesus... Through acts of service, it says in First Peter four ten that each of you should use whatever gift you've received. Eh? Back to the gifts, right? He's already given you the tools to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Can you imagine if you went to a restaurant? I know it's getting close to lunchtime. I did say restaurant. Try not to get sidetracked now. If you went right now and you left, and the person that greeted you also sat you, then got your drinks. Then took your order, then went to the kitchen to make the food, and then came back. That would take forever. That would take forever. And in the same way, God has given us all different gifts. Because some people are supposed to be the greeters. Some people are supposed to be in the nursery. Some people are supposed to be the worship leaders. And so we can, we can operate really well as a, as a well-oiled machine when we're all operating in the gift that he's given us. And, le- and, and owning our role to the best of our abilities. So it's so good that he's given us all those gifts and then asks us to give them back to him. So cool. And how God loves us through acts of service is God served us by giving us Jesus. He's, you know, the greatest man to ever live on earth, the God-man. And it says in Mark 10, 45, For even the Son of Man, all God, all man, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if even Jesus, the ultimate man, who even though he was fully God, he was also fully man, he took on all of our limitations. If he can serve, then we should be able to serve. If, if, if he's our example, we've got a great one. And so we see in scripture that he was often found talking with people that the religious didn't think he should be talking to. He was praying for people that everybody else wanted to kill. And... If Jesus can do it, then we should do it. We should be serving those around us like Jesus did it. And even beyond that, even above, above, you know, how he, he served us with his very life, it says, we see in the scriptures that he served his disciples by washing his feet. Now, back in biblical times, you know, they didn't have nice wood floors or even fake wood floors like we have. It was dirt. It was all dirt. And they wore sandals and it was hot and their feet probably sweat. And so when then the dust gets stuck to your feet, and they didn't bathe all the time, you know, they didn't bathe probably even once a week. And so their feet would get probably pretty bad, probably pretty gnarly. And I know I was like, how, how grossed out can I make Josh right now? I'm just kidding. Um, but so when, the, so when people would come into a house or a place, the, the servant, the lowest lowest servant, you know, would be the one that had this job of washing the feet. And so Jesus didn't just like, serve a little bit, he got down all the way, literally on the ground, so that he could wash their feet. You know, he's, he was saying, there's no, there's no level that I won't descend to to serve you. Amen? He was there. He was, he was ready to go all the way um, to, serve, to serve his disciples and wash their feet. So good. And the last way that we can experience love with God is in physical touch. And I know you guys are probably like, where is she about to go with this one? I promise. It is PG. But, how do we touch God? Obviously, we can't physically touch God. He's really far. or Even with the Holy Spirit, you can't really catch him. Um, he's intangible. But we touch God with our faith. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I feel like the little kid in me comes out. Like if I see a door frame and no one's around, I'll be like, can I touch that door frame? And I'll jump and I'll try to touch it. And I'm like, yes. And when we were just in Colorado this last week, there was a... Um, I forgot what it was. Something was hanging down. I was like, I'm gonna touch it. And I went and I was like, so far, like, whiff. But it was fun. Anyways, we reach out and touch God with our faith. And so we see here with the woman, with a woman of the issue of blood, that she heard he was coming. She knew he was in town. She heard that he was the healer. And she believed that if she could even touch his clothes, so she didn't even touch him. She didn't say, if I can touch Jesus, if I could touch his skin. She believed that if she could just touch his clothes, that she would be healed. So with this faith, with this, what she had inside of her is what healed her. She did not touch physically Jesus. She just touched his clothes. And he says that, you know, that that was her faith. And I think what's so funny is he's like, who touched me? And the disciples were kind of like, oh, everybody's touching you. You know, you're like walking through this mob. But he knew that her faith is what impacted him. Her faith is what made him know that the healing power had left from him. And so it's so, so good. And he's faithful. He's faithful. It's a good place to put your faith in him. Yes. And in uh, Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And the cool thing again here is he's not asking us for something that he didn't give us. The Bible says that we have all been given a measure of faith. And so Pastor Josh in his office, if you guys have never been in there, it's like in the very back over there. Um, he keeps little mementos from past sermons or maybe he'll like use it again. So he has this little spice jar of mustard seeds, and we were here a couple weeks ago. I don't know what it was for, but uh, we were cleaning or something, and Elisa saw them. She's like, Mom, what is this? And I said, Oh, those are mustard seeds. And, of course, I was, like, using it as a little time to teach her. I was like, Do you know what the Bible says about mustard seeds? And she was like, Yes, because they had just been learning something back there. She's like, Something about faith. And she's like, It's really only this big, you know, and she just couldn't believe it. She's like, But what if your faith isn't even this big? And I said, everybody's faith is that big. Like, there is no what if. The Bible says that we've all been given a measure of faith. And it only takes that much faith. So why would God give us faith but not give us enough faith? So if it says that we've all been given faith, and if it says that we only have to have the faith the size of a mustard seed, then that's what he's already given us. So with our faith... We can touch God and it moves him. When we trust him in our finances, when we trust him over the doctor's report and our faith is placed in him, it moves him. It is, it is just as much as if he was here and we could touch him because he says, yes, they got it. They're asking me. They know the source and I'm here and I'm going to show up. And so that's how we touch God with touch him was with our faith. But how he touches us is with his healing. Yeah. Jesus endured excruciating pain. Yeah. Actual physical touch beaten on his back for our healing. Yeah. And if Jesus died on the cross, it would be enough. We would have the hope of salvation. We would have the hope of eternity with him. But we, would, but we wouldn't be able to be healed. The Bible says by his stripes we are healed. So if he did not love you enough to endure that physical pain for your healing, then he would, didn't have to. He didn't have to. But he did. And he wanted to. And he wanted us to not just walk through life and just, oh, I'll just make it. One day I'll die, but it'll be okay. I'll make it. I'll get Jesus. No, that wasn't his plan. His plan was that we could have an abundant life, that we would have a blessed life, that we could experience his healing, or he wouldn't pay for it. Amen? God is not distant. He is so close. And he desires to be really close. One of my favorite um, things that we see in the Gospels is is in the book of John when he keeps referring to himself as the one like the one that Jesus loved. I'm like, was he trying to be humble or was he like humble brag like right? like I won't say it was me, but it was me you know um, but it says that, it says that he laid his head on the chest of Jesus. So I mean Jesus probably hugged people he embraced them. but as far as we know, it could have just been John that was the only one who physically heard Jesus heartbeat. But had other people asked, I'm sure he would have said yes. It wasn't just because he loved John above anybody else. And so that's how close he wants us to be. You know, it's not like a judge in a courtroom. So many times we associate God with being like, this judge, that's cosmic, like ready to smash us down with, you know, our, the verdict of our penalty or whatever. You know, it's like in court, you know, you see all, I say I know what I'm talking about, but it's mostly from the movies, you know, so I could be wrong. But it's like permission to approach the bench, your honor. You know. But that's not how it is with God. We don't have to wait. We don't have to ask for permission. He's not sitting up here looking down at us. He's saying come close. Lean your head right here. Listen to what's happening. Come. He's not far. He doesn't want to be far away. And it says in Ephesians 2 and verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away. How many of you have been far away before? I've been far away. Once who are far away have been, that means it's done, past tense, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Jesus wanted, it says, the great joy set before him endured the cross. He wanted to reconcile us to the Father. He wanted to pull us close back in. He said, That's it, my life, I just have to go. I'll do it, do it, you know? And he was willing to give his life so the reconciliation. Would come, You know, the heart of the Father is always, always, always reconciliation. You know, and another, another thing about being close is that you hear the whispers when you're close. You know, we see in the, in the scriptures where it says that Jesus was coming and there was, a, there was thunder. I say Jesus or God? It was God. Thunder, but he wasn't in the thunder. And wind, and he wasn't in the wind. And, you know, I think it was fire also. Anyway, lightning. But then it says there was a still, small whisper, and God was in the whisper. And uh, Pastor Josh always makes fun of me because he says that I don't whisper very well, but I whisper really well. See, Just kidding. He says that I'm like, hey, come here. I need to tell you a secret. Nobody else can hear it. And I'm I'm like, no, I know how to whisper. (laughs) I know how to whisper. How many of y'all have seen all this new ASMR stuff online? I don't get it. You love it? Listen. I can barely stand to hear people chew without a microphone. So, like, there's these videos of women with hot wings and they're like, and I'm like, like, take me now, Jesus. I can't endure the world any longer. Um, But it's when we come really close that is when we hear what God has for us. And and like I said earlier, in in our quality time with him, it's when we're quiet. You can't hear a whisper if you don't stop talking, right? You've got to have quiet to hear the whisper. So... I just want to encourage you guys to experience a deeper and a more profound love with God, to invite him to love you in ways that maybe you've been closed off to before. You know, we get in our routine. We get in these little ruts. We think that this is how God operates. And, you know, when we were just in Colorado, this, uh, the, the elderly man I told you about um, shared with us this story. And I knew the story, but I pretended like I didn't. Like, I was like, tell me. I've never heard this, you know, because I wanted him to have, a, have the opportunity to tell me. But, you know, there's this story. And uh, this family is getting together for family dinner, and the daughter is, you know, getting ready to cook the meat. And she has this ham or this roast, whatever one you want to call it. And she cuts off the ends of it and puts it in a pan and puts it in the oven. And then her husband's like, "Why did you? Why did you do that?" She says, "I don't know. That's my how my mom did it." Well, this is, you know, they're all there. It's Thanksgiving, right? So she's like, "Mom, why do we cut off the ends again?" And she's like, "Well, that's just how we've always done it. Ask Grandma. Cause Grandma's there." So they asked grandma, grandma, why do we cut off the ends of the ham? And she goes, "You know what? I don't know. That's how my mom taught me and it just so happened that all four generations were there." It was pretty cool. So they asked great grandma, grandma, why did we why do we cut off the ends of the ham? And she said, "Because my oven was too small and it wouldn't fit." So all these generations they've done it this way and it's only because that's what that's what they did. And I think so many times we get in this we get in our mindset that this is how I love God. I love God by not sinning. I love God by being kind. I love God by, you know, doing this. But no, there's, get out of that box. Get out of that little pan. You have a big oven now. Cook the whole ham, right? God has so much more in store for us than we can even comprehend. And when we open ourselves up and we say, Yes, God, I wanna love you in all these ways, I wanna experience your love in all these ways. I really believe that we can go just to an even deeper expression of love for him and receive love from him like we've never even imagined.